A big welcome to the Potential in People podcast with me, your host, Laura Peekle. We'll be chatting with inspirational leaders from across the globe about how we develop our human potential, both inside and outside of the workplace. It means a lot to me that you're listening to this podcast, so thank you from me. And if you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. If you want to connect directly with me to give us feedback on the show, things we can improve, or guests that you'd love to see, please do so via Instagram on the Potential in People podcast handle. But without further ado, let's kick off today's show. Today's episode looks a little bit different because we have not one, but two guests. How exciting. And it's Gender Equality Month. So today's episode is in celebration of International Women's Day, which falls this year on the 8th of March. And actually, currently, 62% of my audience are women. So hello to all the women listening and hello to all of our allies listening too. And in celebration of International Women's Day this year, and the theme, which is hashtag choose to challenge, I've invited two of my amazing OVO colleagues to join me on today's episode. So first up, we have Katie Russell, who is an incredibly smart and articulate woman. She sponsors our Women's Network, and she's our Director of Data here at OVO. So welcome, Katie. And we also have Sarah Booth who is just a creative genius and a beautiful storyteller and she's our director of brand and marketing here at OVO. So Sarah, Katie, welcome to the podcast. Sarah, maybe you can kick us off today by telling us a little bit about you and your role at OVO. So um, my name's Sarah and I am the um, retail um, director of brand and marketing at a company called OVO Energy Um, and so we're a consumer facing business that supplies um, domestic energy to um, millions of people up and down the country. Um, And I took a slightly circuitous route to get here. So I did actually a zoology degree um, and then um, a master's in in psychology and evolutionary psychology, which made me quite interested in um, human behavior um, and what drives human behaviors. And so I I forged the beginning of my career in advertising agencies as a strategist, as a brand and communication strategist. Um, and then latterly moved um, client side over the fence, as we used to call it, uh, to um, ASOS, where I um, learned my trade um, in the client organizations, running the brand strategy team there. And then um, recently, um, well, time flies, uh, almost two years ago, moved to OVO, um, where I run the consumer facing brand teams. Um, and um, in terms of your question, I think you want me to look at where I have been challenged previously, um, I guess, from a gender perspective. Yes, cool. So um, I think I actually feel that on mass, I've been quite lucky, um, but there are a few moments that spring out to me as being quite challenging, particularly at the beginning of my career, um, when I was, I suppose, forming some of the opinions around how to show up and, and how to behave appropriately and how to um, make the best of, of myself. Um, the first was so formative, I think, that it is worth mentioning in that I lived in Manchester and was looking for a role in London and was having initial interviews um, with a recruitment consultant and went to meet that rec- recruitment consultant on a hot summer's day, um, I think wearing a suit back in the day when we did that but also wearing a pair of fairly unobtrusive dangly earrings and a pair of sunglasses 
And the feedback really that I got was not about academia, but about how I looked, um, whether um, I should be wearing those sunglasses, whether I should be wearing those earrings and was given feedback that I needed to um, look a different way to be taken seriously, which felt to me, although it came from a woman, exceptionally gendered. And actually I made a decision not to do that um, and to show up as myself because I felt that I would have been uh, compromising myself, but also my self-confidence, I think, if I had if I had adhered to that suggestion. And actually through time, definitely I strengthened that view. You know, I strengthened the view that you you should show up as yourself um, because it definitely makes me feel confident to be able to express myself as I as I need to. Um, it's kind of war paint in many ways, isn't it? And um, I think if I had have not done that, I would have been starting on a back foot. So definitely what it taught me is sometimes you get feedback and you have to look at it through the lens of what's it gonna deliver? Is it gonna make you better? Or is it gonna make you less strong? And if it's gonna make you less strong, then you kind of have to respectfully decline to take it on board or think about the, the good parts of that rather than the, the other parts. I'll, I'll, I'll stop there cause I'm rambling, but um, that's certainly a kind of really formative thing for me. I love that distinction between is that feedback helpful? Does it help me grow or, or actually is it inhibiting me? I think that's a really nice distinction there, Sarah. So, and, and Katie, I'd love to hear sorry, a bit about who you are, what you do career-wise and, um, and if you've got any past stories to share with us. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> um, so yeah, hi, I'm Katie Russell, the data director at Ivo Energy. Uh, which means I head up data science uh, teams and our data platform capability. Um, by training, I'm a mathematician um, and started my career in data. It wasn't called data science back then. Um, and I've predominantly worked in, in startups before joining Ivo just over three years ago. So with regards to challenge, I think those who know me know that I'm um, quite a people-oriented person. Um, I, I care quite deeply about the success of where I work and the teams around me and the teams I, I work with and, and represent. Um, but early in my career, I think I struggled with developing what I felt was my true authentic personal leadership style versus what I thought was expected or what, even what seemed to be expected. Um, there was a specific piece of feedback I was given that if I had had a family <laughs> or once I had had a family, I would be better able to do my job. Wow. Because I would be put, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Know, you know, to, to put things in perspective a little bit better. And, and the truth on reflection, actually, when I reflected on this, and this is advice I would give to people that get feedback like that, that just doesn't seem right. Like, do reflect on it, talk about it, find some people to talk about it with. You don't have to tell tales, but talk about it. And um, I reflected that actually this was probably someone who had partly managed to be quite so successful in their career because they had a wife at home looking after the family. Um, mm -hmm. And so perhaps I didn't need to take that advice to heart. And I, I have through time found my own personal leadership style that works for me. Um, so yeah, around the same time, I found I was um, also perhaps overly adapting my uh, social style at work too. Um, perhaps now I would characterize it as a, a boys club. Um, 
And I found that I was, you know, the night before going into work, I would be researching what the weekend football results were just to get along. Do you and like football? Oh, um, yeah, no, not really. I mean, I was a bit more into rugby, but no, I, I was only doing it so that I would understand what the banter would be the next day. Um, whereas where I am now with experience, I'm actually better able to call out when, when for me, if someone uses a deeply sporting based metaphor, I'll, I'll ask them to deconstruct it. So I understand what they're trying to say. Um, mm. And I, I find that really helpful. I think there was a, a lovely link there between what you and Sarah both said, Katie, around the feedback and the commentary. And, and, and if it's not useful, it's not valuable don't take it on board or try not, try not to take it too personally and move on from it and recognise that actually it, it might say more about them than, than you and, and, and you know what valuable looks like. And, um, and when you reference the boys club, I can definitely relate to that. So my background, my first job was working in a recruitment agency. And I remember when I walked in, having done an interview off site, I walked into the recruitment agency floor as a junior consultant and there were two women and at least 30, 30 men. And on the floor above was our kind of admin and contracts team who were largely women. And I remember it was hard for lots of reasons. So it was hard because there was a lack of female role models that were visible. Um, every woman that I could see was, was in a, a junior or an administrative position. So that, that was tough. Um, but, but more importantly than that, I think it was, it was tough because it was a bit of a boys club. I, I definitely felt like I had to adjust what I was talking about to fit in to your point, Katie. Um, there were a lot of comments that on reflection were quite sexist actually. So um, the team used to talk potentially at times about things like the admin girls upstairs. Um, and I had a comment once when I was working there that um, that client's only working with you because you're a woman. And I remember taking that so hard at the time because like, why can't it be that I'm just bloody good at my job? <laughs> why does it have to be that I'm a woman and, and that that client is a man and wants to work with a female? Why does it have to be, uh, why does it have to be that that's the only reason he would work with me? And, and similarly, I had that later on in my career as well, when someone said that that stakeholder is only working with you um, or, or ask for your support on that project because he fancies you. Right, okay, so again, it can't possibly be because I'm good at my job, actually, it's because I'm a, I'm a woman. Um, so I think sometimes we are underestimated as women. Um, I think listening to what you two said made me think, actually, maybe I shouldn't have taken that feedback so personally. Um, I did find it really hard. I, I definitely got upset at, at both of those things. Um, and, and I don't actually believe that the, the intent was was horrific behind those but actually it shows you the power of words and I, and I did take it personally and I found that hard and if I were to go through those experiences again or reflect on what I'd recommend to others is, is to to maybe pause and take a day or two to think about it and actually if you, if you think it's wrong if you're confident enough if, if they're a friend or a colleague of you that you can share this with speak to them and say actually I, I know the intention might not have been bad but I found it really hard when you said that comment it really did affect me um, and and to challenge in in that way so that's something I, I wish I'd, I'd done previously which I think takes us quite nicely probably on to 
areas in which we continue to face industry challenges today, whether inside or outside of work. So would one of you have a, a story you're willing to share with us about today? I should acknowledge actually first that I feel pretty privileged uh, and lucky. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I would, I would caveat with that. You know, I, ha I have had a, the benefit of a, like a brilliant education and, and a comfortable upbringing. And I don't know, there are other things that I feel grateful for. So I do just want to say that. And I suppose it's for that reason that a particular diagram I saw quite a long time ago um, stayed with me. It was, uh, I think it was a picture of a ladder and a woman was reaching down to help another woman up the ladder. So what I took away from it was like, help other women, promote other women. Definitely do not be pushing them back down the ladder in particular, don't do that. Um, what are some of the ways that we can do that, Katie? How, how do we bring on that ladder women up with us? Well, I mean, I can try and think about other ways I do it and I see other women do it. Um, first of all is just the call outs, like make sure no achievements go, um, misattributed or unattributed by a woman make sure that, that that they get recognized so just do what you can in every small way to ensure that um i don't know if there's a, like a word for it you know in the same way there's a word for mansplaining is there a word for where a woman's achievement goes attributed to someone else or not noticed there is oh what is it i can't remember there is a word for it. I do find those words really useful because even just putting a label on these common things that you see gives mm. you that common language and vocabulary that you can help each other in conversation, challenge them. And so sometimes you can do it in the moment and you can be that ally for somebody else. Other times you can't necessarily. And it's more that afterwards you think it through and you think, oh, and then perhaps you just reach out. So it's as much as offering friendship, support, allyship in the moment. Um, Rather than, rather than big initiatives. At Over, we have launched a gender equality network. Um, Which you're heading up, Katie. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I, I couldn't not do it, Laura. Like, I couldn't not help celebrate and challenge and, and represent. Um, and it doesn't have, it doesn't, um, of course, there's a responsibility on us as women to try and help other women, but it doesn't have to be women helping women, right? There, there's, there's something around men helping women too exactly exactly so um so creating the spaces where people can come together and share what they can do to support each other is i think an important part of it too sharing learnings talking about it exactly how we are today i think that's so important yeah. um and i people that listen to this podcast will know that i prefer to be interviewer than interviewee but i'm i'm getting involved today to try and be raw and share my own experiences and I think when we were talking about current experiences something that came to mind for me was around imposter syndrome so if anyone hasn't heard of what that is essentially what it means is that you found yourself in a position and you feel like a bit of a fraud as though maybe you're not good enough for that position you're going to get caught out and I've definitely felt like that um, in, in several times over the last few years so I remember when I joined over I joined to be a senior recruiter and I felt 
confident and experienced in what I was doing in that space. But all of a sudden, um, our need to hire in tech blew up and that was really exciting. And all of a sudden I had a team of eight people underneath me, which was hugely exciting. But I definitely remember feeling imposter syndrome because I'd never been a manager before and I'd been trusted in that position to grow a team and, and quite a big team quite quickly. And, and I, I do remember feeling a bit like a fraud. So I had to, I definitely had to tap into that self-belief and think I'm here for a reason. Lots of people are putting this trust in me. And to a point we made earlier, be, try and be really curious. So ask good questions. Um, I remember a few weeks ago, I, I watched a TED talk about imposter syndrome and it's by the CEO of Atlassian. So if anyone doesn't know, Atlassian is a huge, huge software company. And the, the man, one of the co-founders, um, who's a man, he was describing that actually he has feelings of imposter syndrome most days. And actually it's not necessarily a bad thing. Of, of course we want to feel confident, but actually it's, it's often in moments of growth that we're feeling that imposter syndrome. So actually, let's recognise that it, it's, it's normally when we're growing, when we're challenging ourselves, when we're developing new skills that we're likely to feel like we have imposter syndrome. So just recognising that feeling and trying to push through being really curious and recognising it as a growth opportunity, I think, is a really nice one. Have either of you felt like you've had imposter syndrome before? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, my dad rings me or he did it for a while and say, he would greet me by saying, how's your imposter syndrome? And I would be like, very healthy. Thank you very much. How are you? <laughs> I love your positive way of looking at things. So. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's yeah, it's in rude health. It continues to be in rude health. I think everybody's is though, isn't it? Um, and if you, I guess if you're saying, I think it's quite interesting that, you know, it's in periods of challenge and growth that we feel it the most. And I think probably the, pretty much the whole world is slightly out of their depth in terms of what they're dealing with at the moment. So we've probably all got it. Um, so we're not. Really? <laughs> I feel I feel it with this podcast, right? Um, it's a new podcast. I, I, I feel like a bit of an imposter that I shouldn't be here. Am I good enough? But actually, I'm just trying to push through, see it as a growth opportunity and, and you either you win or you learn something and, and ho hopefully it will be both for me with this podcast. Absolutely. I think it's quite healthy to call it out because yeah. look, being completely honest with you, I think I quite literally re repress any feelings of imposter syndrome. Again, pretty early in my career, I, um, I was part of a session where a, a woman admitted to feeling imposter syndrome in front of her leadership team. Mm. She showed a lot of vulnerability and courage. Mm. And in the end, sorry, it just didn't play out well for her. Really? No. And, and that's awful. And it, I think times have moved on and I think things are getting better. This was quite a long time ago now. Mm. But again, even just that observation of my own at, at how, you know, that that's the kind of thing I aspire to do. I aspire to um, be able to be honest and vulnerable and to, to, I would aspire to be in a team where I trust that I can share my challenges like that's what I want I want trust in, in the teams that I work with but it, it had quite a profound impact on me seeing how this admission of vulnerability played out for this woman over a slightly longer period um, and so maybe I people saw that as a weakness do you think 
it could yes it, it may have only just been one person that saw it as a weakness mm. and it just you know and again it could all be completely circumstantial as well um but i yeah for me i, I now i i would say I, I struggle a little bit with it so i applaud you all for talking about it like this is great thank mm. you that's interesting i find um i find it continually baffling and i have to really remind myself that the point of view that a leader has in a room and i guess in this instance me is seen as being significant you know um in comparison to other things and so other other people's points of view um and actually really have to have a chat with myself to remind myself that if i'm going to go to a meeting and turn up to review something that's often for some of the team like what they've been working on that day is preparing for that whereas i think imposter syndrome or general kind of guess feelings of you know confidence um in any given scenario can lead you not to understand that dynamic or not believe in that dynamic and therefore show up less well for your team who need you to show up like that and it kind of doesn't matter if you think that your point of view is important or good enough it matters that you understand that they do um because that like direction and strength behind how you decide how you um how you push forward and also sometimes how you hold people to account is really important and if i have a weakness i think possibly sometimes it's that the empathetic side of me finds it hard to hold people to account when maybe things are not going well and i think that really ties into my imposter syndrome like having the right to say do you know what this isn't going brilliantly how are we going to fix this together or indeed how are you going to fix this how are you going to take responsibility for this because you have to believe that you've got the seniority and the right to to say that to somebody and i think that actually possibly is what sits behind it perceived weakness in leadership can come from imposter syndrome not allowing somebody to push for resolution or exert their seniority when it needs to be exerted and i think that that's like maybe not really often spoken about but quite an important side effect which i think maybe katie you can see how one thing can lead to another in the scenario that you've you've outlined it's about it's not so much about having it it's about what you do about it i think and how you manage it completely agree thank you sarah which I, which I think takes us quite nicely into that future thinking. So how we as women want to continue to challenge ourselves in the future, challenge others. So Katie, maybe I can come to you to, to reflect on some of the things that you would love to continue to choose to challenge. I think there's balance to get right, because there is actually, there are so many gaps to close. Um, and so I think looking forward, what I'm trying to, challenge and find the right balance for is actually that beyond the kind of gender construct of women and men there are multiple more complicated nuances around gender gender identity and gender presentation and so to get the balance right of being truly inclusive um, in how we talk about gender equality um, is something that I'm working towards I suppose the other thing then, okay, is actually really measuring our success. 
mm. like figuring out for us what do, like in particular in this um gender equality network that um we have at OVO um we want to make a difference and we want to know that our efforts I, I talked about the challenge of you know time and balance so we want to know that our efforts are um, not just well intentioned but also effective and so um figuring out how to manage our our um, measurement of success is, is quite important. And yet it could be over a long term and it could require a lot of incremental small changes to add up to the big impact. So yeah, just how do we manage that and measure it? Yeah, so Katie, I'm sure that's of interest to you for, for two reasons. One with your, your data head on and, and also because you head up, uh, you, you sponsor our Engender Network, which is our network for women at OVO. So I know you're, you're passionate, very passionate about the cause and, um, and leading a great network of, of fabulous women at OVO to make progress against all of the things that we've talked about. Thanks, Laura. How about you, Sarah? Well, yeah, I was going to say to Katie, spoken like a true data expert there, Katie. Um, <laughs> uh, and in a way, I guess some part of what I would reflect on being my responsibility um, in terms of looking to the future is around using my own role well as well. So, you know, I think Katie makes the excellent point, really, that actually, if I reflect back on some of the language I've used previously in this podcast, you know, the binary um distinction between men and women isn't particularly useful anymore um and and i think younger generations in particular will have a lot more flexibility in terms of the way that they see their identity um and the way that they want to show up and there'll be a lot more um blendedness around um you know whether you however you identify and then the characteristics that you show up with they, they will they will blend um into myriad different kind of personal identities in a way that i think generations you know from my own and upwards probably haven't had the opportunity to explore um in a more rigid society um and so i think i really believe that as a marketer part of our role as a marketing community is to really think about um representation in everything that our teams are doing properly and that isn't like saying oh is it an equal gender balance in this particular piece of communication that's one thing um, and it's important but it's equally saying what is the role that a woman a man or any other um, person of any other gender is representing in this piece of communication and why um, it is challenging repeatedly when you get the bat back of yeah yeah but um, we don't want to exclude women by showing a man in a woman's role or someone of a different gender in in what would traditionally be a woman's role we want to show a traditional family in this instance because you know xyz reason I think the question that we have to ask is well yes but have we used our voice and our budget and our opportunity to reflect other ways of living as well? So I, I see it part of my role as being using the communications platforms that I'm responsible for, not only to represent the messages that we need to from a branded perspective, but to represent the messages that we need to, to put the right kind of future in front of our society, the future that we all want to be a part of, the society that we all want to live in, that's our job um, and then more internally 
um, if I think about myself, I think there's two things really. I, I like to let other people challenge me where I can and it can be hard and I am in absolutely no way perfect. Um, I found it very useful. There's a couple of people on my team who, who remind me, you know, doesn't matter if you think you're important, these people do when you come in the room. So show up like you recognize that you need to do that. I think you can get really good coaching from people who report into you, people who don't report into you, but are within your team. And you have to listen to that and you have to encourage it and you have to encourage yourself to be coached. Um, I read a book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And I really like how it kind of encourages um, you to be coached by those around you. So I think there's that. And then I think you have to, in your leadership team, your peer group, you have to encourage everybody within that group to stand up and represent themselves as you want to be represented because they are a part of the team that you chose. Um, I think that's really important as well. I love that idea of reverse mentoring. So being so open to be coached and mentored by, by those around you, your, your peers, your teams, your leaders who, who have things to share. Definitely. Problems that you can solve together. Um, I, I think that's um, a great one to, to wrap up on. So I think this idea of embedding inclusion, I know it's something we're striving for at Overm and in particular is, is probably the core mission of the Engender Network that Katie runs is, is trying to embed inclusion into everything that we do. So the way that we talk to our, our colleagues, the way that we talk to our customers, the way that we communicate across the organization um, and, and, and the systems and processes that we have in, in place that will grow or inhibit our people. Um, but I guess broadly just listening and learning and, and being willing to be to learn from each other and challenge each other I suppose Katie I think probably you can you can help me sum up that as a final point I can try um to be honest actually when I think about in gender and I think about the meaning of the word like to bring about change it actually takes me back to a lot of our thinking about OVO and what we're trying to do with change, like building a, a community of people who can all make a difference, but collectively together. Um, and so if we all choose to challenge, then those small micro actions, no matter how big or small, could have a really big impact. I love that engender what what fabulous word for the for the network and and sarah if there was something that you would love the listeners to remember from today what would you like that to be i think that how you show up is a choice um and it's a choice that has impact um so you should recognize that you're making decisions um you know the businesses you work for the work you deliver how you lead um, these are all decisions that you have control over. Um, but also to remember that you're not perfect, that you're not going to show up right all the time, that getting it wrong is part of learning and, and making you better. And actually, it's not an excuse, but saying, look, I'm getting, you can say I've got it wrong, but you can also say I am getting it wrong at the moment for these reasons. And this is what I'm trying to do, or this is what I need from you. And I think particularly at, at the moment when um, we're all under a lot of pressure um, to 
to operate in a very strange world. It's important to recognize that, yes, it's a decision and yes, you've got to work on it, but also the pursuit of perfection, which I think can often be something that women particularly lean into is quite a feminine trait. It can be quite sort of, it can drive quite a lot of attrition for us, I think, that can actually be negative in the long run. So you just got to give yourself a bit of a break. And I, I'd love today because it's about a bit like a lovely chinwag with friends, a bit like a, a therapy session, <laughs> but most importantly, because I, I learned lots and I'm, when I listen to this back, I, I know I'm going to learn again. So thank you both. Um, and just to end then, where can our listeners find you both personally to connect and continue the conversation with you after today? Katie, where can people find you? LinkedIn is good, but forgive me if I don't get back to you. Keep trying. So that's Katie, Katie, Katie Russell Ovo. Search on LinkedIn. You'll be able to find Katie. Thanks. And yeah, like Sarah. Um, yeah, LinkedIn uh, is is good for me too. Um, you can always follow me on Instagram, but I can't promise that you're going to get any particularly um, earth shattering work related in, incidents. But you might get some gardening. Um, what, what's your Instagram handle then? Go on, Sarah. Boothington. Uh, Boothington. Perfect. I'll link them both in. Thanks so much both for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.